Hello and welcome to the MyCare Champion Cast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Laura Hall of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. As you know, this series covers key issues surrounding healthcare in Michigan and how you can help protect the health of your community. Today, we're talking about health equity and hospitals' efforts to ensure that no matter a person's background, they are able to live a healthy life. Hospitals across the country are collaborating to tackle health disparities, and in Michigan, we're using person and family engagement strategies to help create healthier communities. To help explain all of this, we talked to two guests who are actively engaged in this work. First up, MHA Keystone Center's Manager of Patient Safety and Quality, Eva Panetta, will give us the statewide perspective on what's being done to tackle health disparities. Let's start with a brief introduction of what it means when we're talking about health equity. Sure. We are seeing it all over our nation, right? Including right here in Michigan. Gaps in healthcare are increasing and they're also becoming larger and more persistent. So what we call these is health inequities, right? And these are the differences in health that are either avoidable or unfair and unjust. And they're simply differences in the presence of disease, for example, or health outcomes, access to healthcare uh, between certain populations of, of groups that are affected by either social, economic, or environmental conditions. And the healthcare world, we often refer to these as health disparities, which are used as a metric actually within health equity. So when we talk about health equity, we mean the foundational, that principle, and that commitment to not only reducing, but sometimes ultimately eliminating disparities in health. Um, it means social justice in health. And again, it is those metrics that we use, the health disparities metrics, that we measure how successful we are in achieving health equity in healthcare. So what kinds of factors are you talking about that can impact the outcomes for patients? Well, there are many. I mean, there are many dimensions of disparities that exist in the United States, um, particularly in health. Um, If a health outcome is seen to a greater or lesser extent between a certain population, there's a disparity. So, for example, race, ethnicity, um, sex, sexual identity, age, disability, mental health status, um, socioeconomic, and then, of course, location, right? The geography where the patient or the consumer lives. All of these contribute to individual's ability to achieve good outcomes. So, for example, a recent study shows that the overall mortality rates has been declining, which is great. However, the social economic differences in mortality has been widening in recent decades, which is very concerning. And national rates in the United States continue to reveal that blacks consistently have a higher death rate compared to whites in almost all of the leading causes of death. And so another area of concern that I'm sure many of you are aware or people are aware is the rural health in Michigan, right? There are many health disparities that exist there from lack of access to primary care to dental health, which is such a huge disparity to mental health. And in just a recent study of 2017, the CDC showed that the death rate um, gap between the urban versus the rural America is continuing to be even wider. Just to clarify on that, when you're talking about the geographic as an example, it's somebody who lives in a more rural area and they don't have any good dental care in their area or they don't have access to good preventative care. And so the mortality rate, patients are more likely to die from the with the same conditions than somebody who lives in a city who's got a good doctor in their area. Absolutely. And, and they have more chronic diseases that are unfortunately continue to be a problem and become an issue when it comes to being readmitted to the hospital, right? Uh, because of that lack of access to those type of preventative methods. 
So I, I think this is kind of obvious, but what does this mean then for communities and then for the patients? Well, I mean, I hope we can all agree that everyone should have the fair and just opportunity to be healthier and to have the best outcomes possible. And yes, personal responsibility plays a huge role here. Um, So, you know, we have to own it on ourselves to be partners in our own care and be engaged and be educated. But the choices we have depend on the choices that we have available to us. So when we talk about health equity in healthcare, specifically in the hospital setting, we talk about the need to number one, identify what health disparities lie within our community, right? And there are multiple ways that the community addresses that and collects that data of information. It could be lack of food and lack of access to transportation. So it's important to, number one, like I said, collect the data to identify what those disparities are so that we can work to actually address them within the hospital and provide those networks and that um, level of support to those people. And I think it's important to understand the difference between equality and equity, right? Equality is treating everyone the same, but what equity is trying to do is give everyone what they need to be successful. It means addressing these factors that we just discussed that prevent them from reaching their best outcomes and providing them support they need so that they can actually experience health, uh, the best health outcomes that they can. So um, it's, you know, there's the dire need is to, like I said, be very aware of what those health disparities in the communities are so you're working to address them. And so what are hospitals doing to help overcome these disparities? Um, So, you know, the MHA Keystone Center has long been a leader in the quality and safety world. And what our goal now, and I guess always has been, but it's definitely much more front and center, is to do it through that person and family-centered care approach. And what that means is going back to the patient, partnering with them on all levels. And that includes partnering with populations that have been marginalized by society. So people of color, people living in poverty, and you know people with disabilities, and of course the LGBTQ community, and others who have been historically kind of excluded from the mainstream society. And so what we want to do is incorporate strategies at all level, the internal level within the hospital, but also external to address those disparities that lie within these communities. And so there are key factors that hospitals are working on to address this. And those factors are like social economic conditions, social and um, physical environments, increasing access to quality, of course, addressing cultural differences and health literacy, which is a huge impact on your health, but also ensuring that we're empowering and educating and engaging people in health. Um, So I wanted to give you an example. Like, let's say there's a patient who comes to a hospital and they see this patient becoming readmitted consistently and it's due to heart failure. Historically, we will, at a hospital level, we would look at that condition and address that condition. But what hospitals are doing and what we hope hospitals are doing through this collaborative is to ensure that they look beyond that. What are the root causes that are bringing these patients back? Is it lack of transportation? Is it lack of access to primary care, which is a huge problem? Is it even lack of knowledge about healthy diets or access to um, healthy foods and knowing how to prepare them? You would be amazed how many people consider those patients non-compliant, yet it's not about being non-compliant. They don't have those resources and that knowledge to know what are the steps they need to be taking to keep them at home. Because home is where you want to be. You do not want to be stuck back in the hospital bed. 
there was a health system in the um, northern part of the Michigan that really helped develop this fantastic program. And it's a prescription program. It's a prescription for fruits and vegetables. They've identified that there's a food desert. And then there's a lot of chronic conditions in their populations that um, the root causes, of course, access to you know healthy foods, but also the knowledge of how to use them. When we talk about these kinds of programs, like what kinds of conditions are exacerbated by ha- by living in a food desert? We mentioned and we talked about this using this example of heart failure. It's huge. It's it's a huge epidemic in in Michigan, but nationally as well. And you know, back to making sure that you're being preventative goes down to how you're treating your body. And you know. We, we heard a story of a patient coming back and when they asked, you know, what's your nutrition like at home? Well, they thought pickles, canned pickles were a good nutrition, but they're so high in sodium. And that's like the biggest number one no-no when you have heart issues. And he wasn't aware of that. But if you look back historically, that's not, you know, gener- there's a generation gaps now also there. What can a typical person do to get involved, you know, not a healthcare worker, but wants to help in some way with this issue? Well, it's twofold, right? If, if you are impacted by health disparities in some way, number one is making sure that you are your biggest advocate, right? How are you partnering to be your partner in your care? Get the education and the background you need. I know oftentimes people rely on the healthcare provider to be that expert, and they certainly are to a certain extent, but get out there and get to know what's available, what channels and support networks are out there for you. But secondly, if you want to just literally improve your community, a great way to get involved on the hospital level would be to serve as a patient advisor. So patient advisors are exactly what you think. Those are patients that have come through and have received care at hospital, then become and have experiences, either good or bad, and then get involved in the hospital either by sitting on a patient and family advisory council which is one of the efforts that Keystone has been really working on this year, or simply by serving on some type of a quality um, safety committee, or maybe even like a readmission prevention committee, because they are the ones that give the voice and that perspective and the background of what's going on in our communities. So how would I find out if my community hospital has a PFE council, a patient and family engagement council, or a, a way for me to get my foot in the door on that? Absolutely. So every... Um, hospital has like a patient experience department. Even you can also check through the volunteer department. Two great channels. Um, There's a lot of recruitment going on right now because Michigan, I think, is at the forefront. That's one of the goals that we developed is to increase hospitals having patient and family advisory councils. Um, So it's a great way and a channel uh, for you to kind of get engaged. This is an opportunity for you to actually make a change. Next, Jacqueline Thomas-Hall the System Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Beaumont Health, will tell us a little bit about what's happening in her health system and give us an on-the-ground view. What are we seeing in hospitals? What are caregivers seeing in hospitals when it comes to health disparities? I don't know if I could say what our employees or our caregivers are seeing on a day-to-day basis, but I know as we look at eliminating disparities, we're looking at what our data is saying and whether or not we are seeing differences related to overall readmission rates, um, length of stay, and patient satisfaction. As you know, those are all things that we measure, and we can't say that we see things on a daily basis, but we are actually tracking and trending how well we we are uh, addressing some of these key issues. But what we see in the hospital or what we have the ability to address are things that are 
related to the overall patient experience, related to as we understand our interactions. From the time a patient or a family picks up the phone, are we creating that environment or are we creating that first point of contact and experience where our patients and families feel respected, they feel engaged, and they know that this is a place that's going to be, uh, uh, you know, dedicated to their best care. Then when they come into the hospital, are we emulating that same feeling that is associated with respect, uh, you know, helping them to navigate a healthcare environment to meet their needs? And so those are some of the things that we are really focusing on because, again, a lot of it, when we talk, when I think about health disparities, it is our ability to address why they've come here in terms of their prognosis or their diagnosis but it's the experience that they're feeling that we are connecting with them as an individual. And why is this important? You know, kind of to bring it down uh, back to the very basics, why is this important? On several levels, I'd like to speak to that. So number one, it's important to the family and the patient because it really creates a different level of connecting to that caregiver. When a patient and family feels like I see them, I know them, then they automatically begin to feel that they are going to get the best care. From a caregiver and from a uh, uh, hospital or health system perspective, it creates an environment that we know or that we are providing the best care, which is ultimately going to impact our bottom line related to eliminating uh, readmissions or decreasing readmissions. Uh, it, cre- it impacts our bottom line related to patient satisfaction, and it creates a sense of connecting to community. So all these things are interconnected in our ability to provide that best care, which, again, when we think about those things that's most important to, to health care is quality and safety. And when we're talking about health equity, are we uh, mostly focused on, you know, race or gender? Are there other factors that um, are looked at when we're talking about this? Yeah, you know, the interesting uh, point to that is that when we think about health equity, a, a healthcare organization has to look at all the different data points that they have. And I, then it's important for them to understand their communities that they serve, their service area which then allows them to stratify the data in a way that is most meaningful to them. And when I say that, uh, you know, of course, we want to make sure that we are looking at uh, race, ethnicity, age, gender, you know, but in some pockets, some of those uh, stratified uh, data points may not be relevant. So we don't want to spend time on on, uh, looking at data where we don't have a critical mass, where we don't have the ability to impact uh, those issues, but we really need to focus on the ability to capture this data in a way that's most meaningful to the organization. And so uh, for Beaumont, it would be looking at our eight different service areas and ensuring that we can capture data along all those different elements, but again, stratifying it in a way that's most meaningful for that particular service area. Can you talk a little bit about the service areas that Beaumont um, serves and the kinds of populations that maybe people wouldn't expect when we're talking about that area? Our Dearborn campus serves a very uh, diverse uh, group of uh, 
patients and families and community, but one of the largest Arab American communities resides right here in the Dearborn area. When we look at uh, some of our other service areas, uh, rural low campus right uh, uh, in the uh, uh, nestled in that community is the uh, Ferndale community. And uh, for those uh, of us that's not aware of uh, that area, that is one of the uh, areas that really our LGBTQ community resides. Uh, and as you know, it's difficult, uh, it's very difficult to get at data related to LGBTQ because it's not something that we are automatically reporting. But the better relationships that we have, we know that we are servicing that particular population. Um, if we look at our community health needs assessment, most of our eight uh, hospitals service an area where our aging population is really projected to be a, a population that will continue to grow. And so, again, when we, when we think about stratifying data, we have to really look at it based on those particular elements. And what about the rest of us in the community? You know, how I'm not, a, I don't work at my area hospital, um, but I care about this issue and I want to make sure I have a fair and inclusive community, how can I, can people help in any way or get involved? You know, there are so many initiatives that I think healthcare organizations, we have to rely on providing the right care and the services to community. And so what's, what has, what Beaumont has launched here in the, oh, I think in the last three years, uh, has been patient and family-centered care. Uh, and so this is a concept that we are really trying to bring to life in the organization that says everything that we do, regardless of the role that you're in in the organization, has to do with connecting and ensuring that our patients and our families are at the center of everything that we do. One of the elements of patient and family-centered care is having patient and family advisors. These are individuals who have received some level of care in any of our uh, uh, facilities, and they want to provide feedback that is meaningful to the organization that will enhance our ability to, to, to deliver that meaningful care. So we are in the process of identifying PFAs as well as creating an environment where the patient and the family, and most of them come from community, are actively involved in provi providing us feedback and getting engaged in the work of, of healthcare and not necessarily having to be a healthcare provider. What kind of examples do you see of um, changes or improvements that happen after um, an organization starts implementing these per person and family engagement um, efforts? We are uh, new at this. Uh, but I can tell you what I what some of the examples that have uh, uh, happened here at at Beaumont. We've used our patient and family advisors to help us in the redesign of our uh, new emergency center at the Royal Oak campus. We use our PFAs, of course, into understanding the experience uh, uh, of what it's like to to navigate all aspects of our uh, of our facilities. We also uh, use our PSAs when we look at forms. 
You know, how difficult is that form to fill out? Do we need to look at things differently? And, 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 and so we use our PSAs. We're, we're trying to create an environment where there's not, no aspect of our business can be successful without getting that patient and family advisor engaged. Do you have anything you want to add or make sure people take away from this podcast? I guess as I think about this and, and we, th- we think about health disparities, and uh, to me it, it really is about taking that concept and, and bringing it down to a level where everyone feels that, number one, not only do they understand what it is, but how is it meaningful to who they are based on what they do on a day-to-day basis. And so as an organization, we're just getting our heads around that because, as you know, that can uh, health disparities is a huge topic, but you have to break it down. And so what our goal is really is to create a framework so it doesn't matter the hospital you're at, the uh, ancillary care uh, facility that you may go to, we know that as an organization, our goal is to provide quality care, which once we really get our head around that, it will eliminate or begin to reduce disparities that our patients and families may be experiencing today. If you're interested in getting involved in your local hospital's person and family engagement efforts, we encourage you to reach out to them. You can also read more in the Take Action section of MyCareMatters.org, and there will be a link in the show notes. You can also lend us a hand by spreading the word to your friends and family who also care about healthcare in their communities. Thanks everybody for listening. We'd love to hear your feedback. Leave us a review or email us at communicate at mha.org. And be sure to join us in two weeks for the next episode of the MyCare Champion Cast.